Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnotta, with you guys as always. And today, back on the recruiting trail here on the Heel Tough Blog Podcast, the Tar Heels continuing to do some work since the last time that we talked to you. They've had two big time in state targets that have committed. We are going to talk about both of those guys, one that committed to Carolina and one that went elsewhere. We're also going to tell you about a guy that was scheduled to announce his commitment early on in the month of August that has now pushed his commitment back. There are some people wondering what's going on with that situation. We're going to tell you the latest uh, that we know on that situation and kind of break down what we think it means for the Tar Heels, why this is happening, and uh, really just what it means for this class overall as the Tar Heels are starting to sort of thin out on the targets that are left on the board for them uh, after a huge month of July that has put Carolina in a really solid spot to back up uh, three really good recruiting classes in a row. They're trying to add to that with a fourth. And uh, let's jump into it uh, by talking about the guy that did not commit to Carolina and a guy that has really created a lot of buzz around the college football world, the recruiting community in specific, and that is Jamal Jarrett, the four-star in-state defensive lineman from Grimsley High School in Greensboro, North Carolina. And look, the thing is, I don't think anybody was really shocked that he ended up committing to Georgia. But this was one of those ones that kind of felt, I'm not going to say contentious, but it was one that because of how uh, you know vocal he was through social media with his recruitment, it was one that I feel like a lot of fans got extremely invested into on both sides. It's one it appears maybe the coaching staffs got pretty invested in as well. Um, and I think it's one that, you know, we talked about it a lot when looking at him and a lot of other people that have covered this recruitment have talked about it too. 
He, he was a guy that really was influenced a lot by the last place that he visited or, um, you know, the last team that sent him something or called him, whatever. Um, he, he was easily swayed in, in certain directions uh, based on recency. So, um, you know, it, it, I, I think some teams really thought they had a, a really good chance when maybe in, in hindsight they didn't. Um, and he, he ends up committing to Georgia. Um, so I, in the end, Carolina falls short with this recruitment. So first of all, from, from that standpoint, Zach, you know, I, I, I think we've talked about it. We knew it, uh, that going in, it, it was going to be an uphill battle for Carolina. But, uh, you know, w- were you shocked in any way that he decided to go with the Bulldogs over the Tar Heels uh, this past Tuesday? No, no, I wasn't that shocked. Um, as mentioned, you know, my prediction last time in our most previous edition of the uh, recruiting reading of the podcast uh, was that he would choose Georgia over North Carolina. That's where I felt the best, you know, about him at the time. And I think it's not, you know, it, it, it makes sense from a perspective. It's a, you know, the defending national champion that recruits really well on defense, just lost a lot of guys on that defensive line, so they're going to be able to sell some playing time. North Carolina, by comparison, has you know a good number of younger, high-rated guys that are going to take up snaps. And you also have sort of the comparison of, of how he'll be utilized to, mm-hmm. um, you know, a, a recent standout for the Bulldogs in Jordan Davis, who's also from North Carolina. So I think that's one of the biggest things, and that's true in a lot of recruitments, that, you know, you can point to a guy that is, you know, of at least a somewhat similar build, same position out of the same area. And you can, you know, just point to his career from the perspective of UGA and say, that's what we can do with you. And that's pretty enticing. So it is, it is certainly understandable that that would be the selection um, for, um, you know, Jared, in terms of this recruitment, I think that there was obviously some, some controversy there with the announcement video um, with the sort of fake out of, um, you know, it not being UNC and and choosing uh, the Bulldogs. Um, I I think that North Carolina thought that they really had a chance and, Mm -hmm. you know, we're sort of spurned a little bit. We saw some, you know, negative reactions from, you know, across the Tar Heel community at large, but um, that's not really something that is, um, you know, that's not exclusive to North Carolina. I think there's negative reactions to um, recruiting outcomes all the time uh, and by numerous fan bases and numerous, you know, fan communities and coaches, things along those lines. So, you know, that's not out of the out of the ordinary. It's not something that's North Carolina specific. Um, it's something that North Carolina has seen before, but it, it's something that a lot of schools deal with. I mean, this, you know, the half tossing, the sort of fake out, uh, business it's it's at this point it's almost just part of you know the culture of these announcements and mm-hmm. I, you know could it mean something one way or the other maybe so but I also think some of these are just you know to be a little tongue-in-cheek to you know to you know have a little bit of that entertainment aspect do I love it no not really just because it's been done so much yeah I don't I don't think it's necessarily you know, aggressively disrespectful. Some people, you know, do get upset with it. I'm not really in that boat. I do think it's a little bit of, a, you know, it's something that's been done uh, at this point. So, you know, it, it really sort of lacks that effect that it had the first few times. But, 
it, it's, it's not a huge deal. The main point of this is that, um, you know, that he chose Georgia over North Carolina. And that was always a very realistic outcome. And that was the outcome. And that is, you know, that's okay. North Carolina is doing well at recruiting the defensive line position in this class. They've recruited the position well in the past few classes. So, you know, a single decision does not go their way, does not, you know, sour a recruiting effort at large, and it doesn't sour a recruiting class at large. Yeah, and I mean the other thing is that this this feels different because I've I, I've seen some people again that want to try to compare this to some of the past players that have been taken from the state. And look, th- there was there's no doubt that Jamal Jarrett was a guy that was a a, a take for this defensive line. He has the talent. There's no denying that. But this is also a guy that was a three-star at one time and has sort of climbed the rankings and was, you know, inside of the top 200, but wasn't inside of the top 150. So we're not talking about, and I'm, again, not trying to slight him, but we're not talking about the Tar Heels if they had missed on Travis Shaw last year, when they missed on... Uh, you know, Dexter Lawrence. We're not talking about those type of prospects, which is where it feels like some Tar Heel fans are at. Is this, you know, would you have liked to bring them in? Of course. You want to keep your best your best guys in the state of North Carolina. But the Tar Heels have had a ton of success doing that over the past few years. And look, here's the thing. Carolina is having the most success by far of anybody in the state uh, of the in-state schools in this recruiting class at keeping the top guys in this class at home they're you know in, in terms of the numbers Duke and NC State they do have some some guys that are committed that are lower down in, in terms of the rankings in the class uh you know overall but I think Carolina is doing what they have to do where they they're living up to that mantra that the best in North Carolina play for North Carolina, or you've got guys that are just going out of state. And this one, to me, is very similar to what we talked about with Noah Rogers. There is a pull right now, no doubt about it, to Georgia, and rightfully so. Look at, specifically on the defensive line, what they were able to produce the th- this past year. So, I, I, I get it. Um, in terms of you know the way that he went about the commitment, I, you know, I think what you said is a hundred percent right. We have seen this move so many times that at this point, it's it's honestly just kind of funny that guys are still going to this over and over again this many years later. I mean, we're talking about you know guys that have done this for almost twenty years now with the fake out. Like it's it's just it's getting. I mean, it's old. Like they've got to find something different. Now with the with the social media fake out, the graphic fake outs that they have made up and everything like that. I mean, I, I know Toriel fans were mad about that. My thing with that is, is that that was put out after you already knew the decision. So I don't really understand why you would get that angry about that. Um, you know, and 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 here's the thing. I think it, it look. It's definitely an interesting move from the standpoint of we are in the era of the transfer portal being a major part of the way things go. We've seen a lot of guys that have entered the transfer portal, including guys. I mean, look at 
the guy that the Tar Heels brought back this year from Ohio State on the defensive line, and Jacoby Cowan. That was a guy that Carolina recruited out of high school. So let's say that he was a guy that did something similar to this. Could that have possibly you know, turned around and cost him an opportunity at Carolina when he went back into the transfer portal um, you know, it, it, down the line? Yeah, I mean, it's possible. And I think that's something that people will probably point to. But I think ultimately it's just, it's like, you know, it, you said with, with the entertainment value. It is, it is basically pro wrestling. That, that these guys, they love to be the heel. They love to get guys fired up um, on the other side because they, you know, they, they want to be that guy that shows up on a bunch of social media posts. He, his, I mean, his thing took off was, was put on Barstool. Um, and, and that means something, especially in the era of, of NIL. Um, it, it means something to be an entertainer. It means something to be a guy that has a strong social media presence. So I think that's just that, that that's just what it is. I, I'm not really you know somebody that's gonna get too mad about that. Um, it, you know I, I there because here here's the thing. If you get too mad about it, there are going to be some of our guys that are gonna do that. We saw Christian Hamilton do that to Clemson. Uh, earlier on in this recruiting cycle. So that's the thing that you have to look at is that if you get mad about something like that, it is going to come back and, uh, you know, around at some point, our guys will eventually do it and, you know, vice versa again. So uh, it's not something that I think is getting uh, worth getting worked up about. Um, now, in terms of the interior defensive line, uh, in this class, I think this probably sealed uh, Carolina's class up with the interior defensive line guys. Um, you know, I know David Hobbs is listed as one of those guys, and, and we'll talk about him later. I've seen, I've watched his film multiple times. He's an edge rusher. He's he's a guy that honestly, folks, is just labeled wrong. Just like Tyler Thompson, I didn't really understand how he was labeled as a guy that was considered a defensive line prospect when he clearly comes off the edge. Um, but it, I, I think this this sort of shuts the book on on this, Zach. I, I think they, they were going to take Jared if he wanted to come, but they've got their interior defensive line guy in, in Joel Starlings, and I think that people should feel pretty confident about what they're getting in Starlings um, combined with you know a, a group of guys that Matt Brown said yesterday in media days he thinks can go three deep. Uh, on, on that defensive line this year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's other guys there as well. David Hobbs, like you mentioned. Technically, you have a guy like Joshua Horton, I believe, out of Florida that's still technically on the board as an option. But that, that probably does in their, um, you know, interior defensive line recruiting efforts. And, you know, they've gotten a lot of guys. Like, we a ton of guys that play there in the interior. They got one in the transfer portal this past offseason, uh, which would be another point I don't want to mention. Not only you know, the defensive line is, is deep in general, but they just was free to you know, do what they want in terms of social media and everything along those lines. But, you know, what I would advise is do what you can. You know, you don't need to criticize people for their decisions, whether it be fans, coaches, anyone along those lines, because... In the transfer portal area, excuse me, um, if a guy is looking to transfer, the places that they're looking at more often than not are those schools that finish second and third and have a 
finance. So, you know, you never really know how these um, how these guys are going to turn out at the college level. Do they want to stay where they're at? Do, do they want to leave? So, you know, you always want to make sure that even if these recruiting battles don't go your way, that you maintain those relationships. Now, obviously, that's going to be up to the staff and how they pursue guys in the portal moving forward. But that's just an important, I think, aspect of it to keep in mind is that, you know, e- even when guys don't commit to you, you always want to keep a uh, you want to keep a good relationship with them moving mm-hmm. forward. And uh, you, you want to have backup options there as well. If, if you're really needing to fill that spot with somebody, uh, you should look to have multiple options if possible. Yeah, no, that's that's a that's a great point. And Carolina has utilized the transfer portal a lot, including on that defensive line so far. And they're probably going to continue to use it moving forward. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to let you hear the ad from DraftKings for this week. Uh, make sure you guys get in on those deals. And then after that, we're going to come back and uh, we'll talk about the guy that did commit to the class and also tell you a little bit about that guy that we just mentioned there a few minutes ago, David Hobbs, tell you what's going on with his recruitment and which school has suddenly entered his recruitment that may have changed everything. Stick with us here on the Heel Tough Blog Podcast back right after this. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new customers a risk-free bet of up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000. And if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. I know there's a lot of you that are Braves fans. Go and bet on the Braves and their upcoming series on DraftKings Sportsbook. I know I'll be doing the same for my New York Mets. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet of up to $1,000. That's promo code TPPN. PPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for detail. All right, guys, welcome back in Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Anthony Pagnata, Zach Hubbard here with you on the 2023 recruiting trail with the Tar Heels. And that's right, let's talk about the guy that committed to Carolina on a Monday night, Rico Walker. This was a guy that we have been talking about for a while, one of Carolina's early targets in the 2023 class, and he does commit to the Tar Heels after some concern that he could be a guy that could get away to the Tennessee Volunteers, but the Tar Heels lock it down uh, as we expected with the timing of his commitment. And boy, this is a big one, Zach. I, this was one of those guys when we did – the, the, the addition of the podcast that we do each year and we talk about the most wanted players in the upcoming class. That was one of the guys that was right near the top of my list. And even to this day, you know, some of the other guys that have jumped on afterwards, he was still a guy that I had extremely high on my priority list. And this is a really good job by the Carolina staff to make sure that they locked him down. Yeah, absolutely. Like you mentioned, he, he's been sort of on the radar for us for a while, whether it be in the you know the top ten or just one of the top guys in the state. 
Um, obviously, you know, when you look at the way that they've recruited the defensive line as a whole, they're really looking for those, you know, defensive end edge rusher types. Uh, they already had Jay Brown, Harvey, and Tyler Thompson, and then to add a, a third in Rico Walker, you know, that's, that's a great uh, triple that you have right there. Um, of these three, I think Rico is really the guy that I look at as more of the prototypical modern edge rusher. He is long, he's lanky. Uh, he can drop into coverage if need be. That's not really what they would like him to do on more than a handful of snaps. But, you know, he's, he's just got a good frame to rush the passer, to use his arms, to use his leverage, and, and then, you know, if need be, add weight if he needs it to help set the edge on certain plays. But, you know, at his, at his position, the primary objective is get to the quarterback. And I think he has the best sort of, skill set and raw physical tools to do that i think that you know similar to other guys that they've gotten in this recruiting class that's sort of that edge rusher position it's going to be a question of developing um you know the technique aspect of it it's going to be you know developing the pass rush moves it's going to be sort of you know continuing to learn physicality and you know high intensity things of those nature but you know you, you see an overall framework of how they're recruiting the position and they they want to go out and get athletes you know to play on the edge and then sort of mold them from there and you know the position at, at large that they're sort of implementing uh, it's a it's a little bit tweaked you know under new defensive coordinator gene chizik and it, it's a position that he's really sort of you know gone heavy into not necessarily being the named position coach at the position, but that, that's generally who he works with in practices and scrimmages, things along those lines, alongside, you know, calling the plays defensively. So I think that it's it's a position that, you know, North Carolina looks to prioritize and highlight moving forward. It, it's a, what you'd call a premium position. You know, you look at um, whether it be recruiting rankings or the NFL draft, you know, I, I would say the top two positions they're usually looking for in both our quarterbacks and then edge rushers. Yep. And, um, you know, North Carolina has prioritized those. They definitely prioritize quarterback in their recruiting. And now they're, uh, you know, prioritizing edge rusher as well. Yeah, that's a really interesting point that you bring up with Gene Chizik. And I think it makes a lot of sense. And I think it's, it's part of why they thought he was a really good fit. Because, you know, I think that you've seen this team recruit the defensive line very well. Um, but they're needing a little more development. And I think that combination of Gene Chizik chipping in with Tim Cross is, is going to help Carolina a lot. Um, and in terms of this recruitment, this is another guy that kind of fits that Gene Chizik defensive mindset that Carolina needs to start bringing in to, to fill this roster. I mean, look, they have the depth. There's no doubt about it. And there's guys on this roster that I think fit exactly what Gene Chizik wants to. But he's another one of those guys. High motor and plays very physical. And that's that's what Carolina wants in these defensive linemen. They need guys that can get off of blocks. This is what Rico Walker does religiously on film. Again, I mean, he's the, the frame... I mean, he's 6'3", but he's, he, he plays longer than that. If you if you watch him and, and just look at the, the arm length and everything like that, it's it's there. He, he's got that. He's got that stuff you can't teach that we talk about so much. But he's also a guy that even at 233 pounds, 
he is extremely physical, and especially at the point of contact. When he hits a guy, it is it is going to create highlights. It's a, it's a guy that makes you excited to watch the way that he plays. And that's what Carolina needs on the defensive side of the ball. Now, that doesn't mean that he's a guy that plays an exciting style of football and struggles with consistency, which is what Carolina's had you know, some of the last couple of years. No, this is a guy that makes the tackles that he is supposed to out in space. He's extremely athletic. He runs down plays from behind. And you talked about it. You know, this is a guy that plays tight end slash wide receiver. They will line him up on the outside, and he makes plays out there for Hickory High School. So this is a guy that can handle himself in space. He, he, he has no problem doing that at all. And I, I think that showed on film. I, I, I You're right. They don't want to drop him back into coverage a whole lot. That was one of the things that I think a lot of people got frustrated with when it came to Jay Bateman, especially with a guy like Des Evans, who, you know, you talk about physicality, that was one of the main things that we saw on his film coming out of high school. But we haven't really seen a whole lot of that physicality because they've been using him in a little bit of a different way. Rico Walker is a guy that I think if Carolina prioritizes him being a guy that pins his ears back, gets after the quarterback, he will be an extremely successful piece for the Tar Heels in this class and they 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 need that they need that physicality we we heard it yesterday at media days we heard about physicality accountability and toughness and look you accountability there's no way to tell that right now at least from our perspective but the physicality the toughness those are those are there the patch or, or the passion that was what it was excuse me the passion and the toughness it's there you see it on film there's no doubt about it and I, I think he's he's a perfect fit and and to me you know I, I mentioned it a little bit earlier and I think this kind of you know coincides with the next conversation that we're gonna have Zach I, I think a lot of people are kind of wondering you know David Hobbs is another guy that's in the state of North Carolina. We'll talk about him a little bit more in depth, his exact situation here in a second. What do you think about the way that Carolina has gone about recruiting the state of North Carolina? Because I've seen some people that are saying that they don't think Carolina is having as much success as they've had the past few years. Um and I think, look, if, if that's where you land on this, then that's fine. You also have to understand that this team is coming off of a 6-7 and seven season, so that would make sense after they were expected to be the ACC Coastal Champs and, you know, potentially be one of the best teams in the country. But I, I, I think, I still think they're doing a good job in this state. They have locked up the guys that we have prioritized. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree with that. As we've mentioned multiple times, it's not as deep of a class within the state of North Carolina specifically. Um, and, and there's some different factors involved, especially if you look at, you know, where the other prospects, you know, in the state are going. If you look at just, let's say, the top 10 uh, as it currently stands within the state of North Carolina, um, there's. The most, you know, commits that, um, or the, the most popular school within that is North Carolina. They have three, and uh, Chabron Harvey, Rico Walker, and Christian Hamilton. And then you see, you know, you see an Ohio State, you see a Notre Dame, you see Georgia, uh, you see a Florida State. 
and Oklahoma. So you're seeing a lot of, you know, schools come in here, which, which is not unusual as well. And, and those, you know, each recruitment is a separate factor. And I, I think if you look at recruiting as a whole, you're seeing, you know, you're seeing teams more and more recruit nationally. And you're seeing a lot more teams get involved with that model and get involved, you know, with prospects all over. You can't hide talent anymore. You can't, you know, hide prospects in certain states uh, from other schools. No one can do that anywhere in the country. So, you know, you're going to have an Ohio State that is really good at producing wide receivers and really good at, um, you know, developing wide receivers coming to North Carolina and, you know, get a commitment from a Noah Rogers. You're going to have Georgia that has done well in North Carolina consistently for years uh, with guys such as um, Todd Gurley and then Jordan Davis, like we mentioned, they're going to, you know, they will occasionally come in and get Jamal Jarrett. Uh, but you see the same thing is true for, you know, those programs as well. Georgia's not locking down the state of Georgia. Ohio State is not locking down the state of Ohio. Oklahoma's not locking down Oklahoma. Florida State is not locking down Florida. So I, I think just as a whole, recruiting is much more national. And, you know, it, it's, it's harder to be able to, just say that you're going to get the guys in your backyard and be done. I, I also think that um, North Carolina, in response to the classes in North Carolina and Virginia specifically, have become you know a little bit more national in this recruiting cycle. I mean, you, you look at the guys that they've gotten, they've gotten a ton of guys in North Carolina and Virginia, but they have also gone to Georgia more. They've gone to Florida. They've obviously, you know, they get some guys from, from South Carolina and then you know they got one from Oklahoma as well they've been you know getting guys from Alabama in in various ways you know in in a few of these classes Uh, most recently Connor Harrell and then you know recruiting another one in uh, four-star offensive tackle tackle, excuse me Stanton Rammel so I I think that you know North Carolina is recruiting the guys a that it wants to recruit obviously um, but they are responding to the you know the, the amount of talent in this year in each state and you know they're working accordingly but you're gonna miss guys that's gonna happen you're gonna get a lot of guys as well um so i think that that's you know one one thing to keep in mind but like you mentioned you know this is a team that it's been mentioned over and over and over this offseason it came into 2021 with a lot of hype you know with top 10 aspirations and then fell short so there's naturally going to be sort of a sense of, you know, you need to show it to me moving forward that I think is, is natural with that. So could that be a piece of, you know, the, the recruitments of some of these guys? Maybe, maybe not. We can't really say one way or the other without, you know, knowing and speaking to them personally. But I, I think that if there's any decrease specifically for the University of North Carolina within the state of North Carolina, it's pretty self-explanatory for the most part, or easily explained as probably more an accurate statement. And it should not be, at least at this moment, um, an area of concern for the target faithful, in my opinion. I, I agree with you because, I mean, you look at some of the top guys in the state. Here, here's the other thing that I will say. I think a lot of these, these rankings this year are – rather subjective and you can't really go off of the specific number that is put 
next to a guy's name in terms of their overall composite ranking or whatever. Um, I think it's very clear that in most people's minds, Noah Rogers is the best prospect in the state of North Carolina. And the Toriels made a push for him. But as you mentioned, Ohio State is a spot that at this point, it is very, very hard not to, if they are recruiting you, feel that pull towards them with the amount of success that they have had with putting receivers in the NFL. That wide receiving core over the past few years, um, th- this is one of the best runs of any you know w- wide receiver room um, in in the history of college football. You just don't see that many NFL guys being produced from one room. It's it's they're doing a tremendous job. Carolina's up there. Look, Carolina's produced some really good receivers over the last few years, but it's not on that level, so it makes sense. Then you look at a guy like David Hobbs, and we'll talk about it here in just a second, but it feels like, you know, Carolina kind of in the end, they had to pick their priorities and they prioritized Rico Walker over him. That's what it seems like. So, and, and look, Rico Walker's listed as sixth in the state, but you look at David Hobbs, he's listed as the number 136 overall player, according to the composite player rankings, and Rico Walker's at 194. And I think they're even closer than that. I've watched both on film multiple times, and I personally like the way that Walker plays better than the way that Hobbs plays. And walk I, I, that that's, you know, you can take it or leave it either way. Both guys play at, at, they don't play at the top level in the state of North Carolina. But I think, you know, when you watch it, to me, Rico Walker dominates a little bit more than David Hobbs. And then, you know, Carolina locks up J. Ron Harvey. Sullivan Absher is a weird one. That's one that I think a lot of Carolina fans probably are not happy about because they feel like that was a guy that, you know, grew up a Toriel fan. Um, They thought that was going to be somebody that Carolina should have had in their back pocket pretty easily. I think the way to explain that is pretty simple. They had a change in offensive line coach. Um, He got real connected during that time to Notre Dame, and that's the way things went. And then there's Jamal Jarrett. Um, and you got, you know, Keith Sampson, who there are some rumors Carolina's still talking to and looking at. Um, but, you know, I, I think they've got Christian Hamilton on there. Chris Culliver is a guy that's just outside of the top 10, but you could put him inside the top 10. They lock up the top quarterback in the state of North Carolina. So Carolina's doing the things that they have to do. And, and, and some of the other guys that you look at, Carolina didn't even offer certain guys. Dalen Smothers, at running back, who's inside of the top 10, Carolina didn't offer him. They didn't need to. That's a position that Carolina, I don't think, was ever taking anybody in this class at. They offered two guys in this class, and I think those were just guys that they saw as just guys that were potentially on the rise. Both of those guys went from being lower-level three-stars into being high-end four-stars. So there was potential there, and I think maybe they thought, hey, we'll throw an offer out there. If they're really, you know, if they look at it and think it's that great of an opportunity and want to come and compete, great. If not, we're not worried about it. So uh, you have him. Chris Peel was a guy Carolina was in on early, the cornerback at a Providence uh, Day School in Charlotte. But they backed out pretty quick on him. So that's clearly something where the staff just didn't connect with them, whatever. Um, and Javante Vereen, the tight end out of Havelock, guy that Carolina didn't even offer. So 
Carolina, it, it looks like Carolina was the one making the choices with a lot of these guys. Outside of Noah Rogers and maybe Sullivan Absher, I think Carolina, the guys that they wanted from the state of North Carolina, they went out and got. So I, I'm, I'm with you. I think that this, this group of coaches did a tremendous job, especially with coaching changes. You got a guy in Gene Chizik who, what was the thing we heard the most about with Mac Brown? when he came back to Carolina originally. Well, he's been out of the game for five years. That's the same time span that Gene Chizik was out. Do people know who Mac Brown is? That's what we heard a few years ago. Well, do people know, do these guys know that are being recruited who Gene Chizik is? Um, they probably do because he won a national championship when they were younger. But these are also guys that you know were not recruited by him. He had to establish relationships with these defensive guys. Um, Charlton Warren was a guy that maybe was recruiting some of these players, but he's a guy that has, you know, historically done a lot of work in the states of Georgia and Florida. That's why there's been, you know, a big focus on those two states in this recruiting class. So I I think Carolina is doing a really good job once again, especially coming off of the disappointing year that they are coming off of to be in this position. I'm not worried at all. And I look, there there are still guys that Carolina is going after. Not a ton from the state of North Carolina. It looks like, you know, pretty much what whatever happens with David Hobbs happens and that's pretty much going to be it for uh, the in-state guys unless, you know, which right now it's not seeming like it's going to lean that way unless they can find a way to pull in Kevin Concepcion. It looks like that'll probably be it. But I think you still did what you had to do in the state of North Carolina by landing uh, the, a majority of the top guys that you wanted. Let's talk real quick about David Hobbs. You know, I mentioned it there, Zach, and I, I think you know that's probably the mindset that the staff is taking towards this. Um, he's still a guy that probably fits in that elite prospect range. Um, you know, just from watching him, a ton of upside to him, but. I think this is maybe a situation where Carolina, you know, it, it was whoever got to the spot first uh, was the guy that they were going to take. And it looks like maybe Rico Walker is the guy uh, that takes the spot first. And that spot for David Hobbs is potentially off the table in this class. Yeah, there's certainly a possibility of that. Um, David Hobbs, you know, another guy in state that's been linked to the Tar Heels for a while. And that's certainly a possibility as we did see him, you know, uh, delay his commitment after initially set to announce, I believe, on August the 1st. Um, now, with Davon Hobbs uh, in particular, I think he does have a little bit more flexibility. You know, maybe he's an edge guy. Maybe he's more of that power end where we're more likely to see, um, you know, Desmond Evans or um, they potentially came on Rucker and Jamari Rizzi play at in the fall um so there's a little bit of flexibility because there's those two you know quote-unquote defensive end spots so you know you could have some of these guys play there and get a big pops and maybe another one play at the power end but you know it's possible but just that you know there, there's only so many defensive linemen you can take i know that you know you, you hear the conventional wisdom uh you can never have too many defensive linemen well <laughs> to some extent, you have too much of everything. You have to have a balanced roster. You have to have you know enough guys in each positions, and there's only 85 scholarships to go around. And with that being said, it's even rare that you know the Tar Heels, whether it be under Matt Brown or former head coach Larry Fedora, really get you know right at that 85 
you know, scholarship mark. So there's only so many spots in the class. That's been, you know, that's been the case in really every recruiting class under Matt Brown thus far in his second tenure with the Tar Heels. So it's certainly possible. If, if I had to lean somewhere right now, I would say that he still could end up with the Tar Heels just because mm-hmm. I'm not sure where else he's going to go. But most other teams involved thought that he was basically a done deal um, to the Tar Heels. He took an official visit to Auburn, I believe, in June. They thought he was done to the Tar Heels. Um, other schools involved, um, Alabama, I know, is one that he visited unofficially in June. I think Notre Dame as well. They all thought that he was, you know, done to the Tar Heels, and that doesn't seem to be the case at this time. So, you know, I, it's something that, that I think we'll, we'll see and watch, but, you know, they've got a good defensive line class right now. Um, they've, they've only got, you know, a few spots left, a few guys they're still looking at, and you know, quite a number of those guys are looking to make decisions here within the next few weeks and months prior to the season. So I, I think that most of, you know, most of the recruiting class will likely be done before the start of the season. They probably are going to have some spots left over. And, you know, North Carolina, in the position that it's in currently, I think is a team that, you know, if it finds the right fits, could, could have a larger presence in the transfer portal um, in, in next offseason than, than than this offseason. Um, and, and they had a big one in this one, too. I mean, you look at the multiple guys on the offensive line that they got, you look at, you know, how they got the, the two guys out of Ohio State. Well, you know, the, the transfer portal is not going to slow down, and I think that there's always going to be, you know, a few spots where the Tar Heels can look to add value to their roster, whether it be guys to fill immediate needs and and some in some instances you you take a guy just to add you know depth if you think he can help your team so that's the reality of, of college football in 2022 and onward and, and i think it's it's a it's an avenue that we you know just need to keep in the back of our minds of well they might not take a full 25 every cycle because they're going to have some of these spots that they're going to see you know who's out there to come in as a you know a, a more developed veteran player uh, to fill those holes. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. There, there is no doubt, especially with you know the, the the ruling that came down yesterday that the NCAA is pretty much uh, doing what they can to eliminate the one-time transfer rule. So basically, it would be you transfer as many times as you want, no penalty. So I, I think that. That, that could open it up even more. So, yeah, saving some of those spots will be important. But at the same time, you could also make the argument that you want as many guys as possible since it will be easier to transfer. Uh, you know, I, I think this defensive line is loaded. I talked about earlier how, you know, at, at Media Days yesterday, one of the things that stuck out to me was Mac Brown talking about that defensive line and just how many guys they have down there. With you know Kedrick Bingley Jones now coming back healthy, you know that that's a guy that could be part of the three deep, and it's rare that we hear that from coaching staffs. We hear two deep a lot, but you want to be able to rotate in two lines with no drop off. Well, Matt Brown said yesterday he wants to be able to rotate in three defensive line groups without any drop-off. And they they think that they can do that with the way that they have recruited and the way that they have hit the transfer portal over the last few years. So, I look, Carolina is fine on the defensive line. I mean, you look in this class and 
I mean, Carolina has already racked it up with the guys that they have committed. Rico Walker, who we just talked about a little earlier. Tyler Thompson, who Carolina um, you know, landed just a few weeks ago. And then Jabron Harvey. And that's just the edge, guys. Because then, as I mentioned, you when we were talking about uh, Jamal Jarrett going elsewhere, you got Joel Starlings on that defensive line. So Carolina is doing exactly what they need to do on that defensive line by bringing in the guys. And again, it just comes down to prioritizing guys and to that notion of who is going to get on board first. If they've got guys that they have rated very similarly, which they probably do with Hobbs and Walker, um, it, it's really a matter of who is going to commit first and take that spot. And if that is the way that this stacked up, you just, you know, that th- this is something that, you know, Rico Walker jumped out ahead and, and made that move. There were a lot of people that thought it was going to go the other way around. There were some people that thought that, uh, you know, David Hobbs would announce early in early on in this month and that we could see Rico Walker push his commitment all the way back into the fall. And it just didn't work out that way. So now, you know, there is a delay. And, and, and here's the other thing. Like you said, there is a chance that he still ends up at Carolina. Um, I think, you know, maybe Carolina is, is evaluating what space they exactly have left in this class overall um, in terms of the numbers that they're going to take. Um, now, one thing I will say that I find interesting, and there is not a there, – he has not received an official offer from them yet. But a guy that we've had on this show a few times, and I saw him out at ACC Media Day and was talking to him, Chapel Fowler, who now covers Clemson after being the recruiting guy for the Fayetteville Observer and USA Today here in the state of North Carolina. He told me that Clemson has become involved with Hobbs. And since that happened, that was you know, pretty much what led to him backing off of you know, his decision date. So that could be the team that right now hasn't offered yet, but is at least giving him something to think about behind the scenes, is talking to him and maybe is close to pulling the trigger on that offer. So that's one team to keep an eye on with him. But ultimately, I think this is one of those scenarios where, you know, either the staff has told him or he is looking around and realizing that Carolina – this defensive line room is pretty loaded, and who knows if, if they are going to be taking any more players in this class on uh, that defensive line. I don't think it's as dramatic. Some people, I saw some people saying the other day that that is a huge blow for the Tar Heels and that uh, this kind of makes some of the other targets in the class crucial. Um, I don't think that's where we're at. I think, you know, we're starting to thin out the guys that are left on the board for Carolina. Um, I know that one of the guys that Carolina was looking at, they hosted him for an official visit, Kevion Keys at linebacker. It looks like Penn State has made a strong push for him and is now in the lead. But I think that Carolina is still in a pretty good spot. They should have no problem, I think, landing Amari Campbell whenever he decides. Uh, I think he's going to be a take for Carolina. So, um I think this class is still in a pretty good spot overall, and uh, I, I'm, I'm confident that you know even though it might not be as big of a class as we thought originally in terms of the numbers, 
I think Carolina is still going to put out a, a, a pretty good group. And we got you covered with everything on the website, HeelToughBlog.com. You can go back, read that breakdown of Rico Walker's commitment. We encourage you guys to do that. And we go a little more in-depth and tell you uh, a little bit more about his game and what Carolina fans can expect whenever he does arrive to campus next year. Um, in terms of you know the Jamal Jarrett stuff, that, that was pretty much expected. Um, we're not really, you know, going to write anything uh, about that situation because there's not really much to write. Um, it was it, it, it was something that we knew was coming, um, and I think, you know, at this point, yeah, the defensive line group, there there may be somebody else that that pops up that Carolina could take a look at. There, you mentioned Joshua Horton as a guy, um, but I, I I think at this point, Carolina's class is probably pretty full on the interior of the defensive line. So uh, we'll have you covered, though, with upcoming commitments. We've got uh, Brandon Marshall, uh, or Brandon Marshall, excuse me, Braden Marshall from uh, the state of Florida, the cornerback at a Lake Mary High School. Uh, he, he is going to make his decision on July 30th, next Saturday. We will have you covered on that front as well as uh, when Kevin Concepcion announces his commitment. That one is on the calendar as well. August 6th is when he is expected to announce his commitment. We'll have you covered with all that stuff. And, of course, we are rounding uh, around to the start of the season. Media Days just wrapped up yesterday. We've got an article on the website for you guys to check out. Uh, make sure you guys go. and we've, uh, We're going to go about it a little bit differently this year in terms of the press conferences and all that kind of stuff. Um, we are going to go uh, with the uh, quotes and notes is how we're going to phrase it. So we'll give you uh, the best quotes. We'll break those down. So we got a bunch of them on there. I believe it's like six or seven quotes from yesterday from Mac Brown and from the players that we thought were the most important, the most impactful. And we also have a bunch of notes on there, uh, some just little tidbits that uh, we heard from the players and from the coaches that we thought were noteworthy, and we thought you guys should, uh, you know, be, be focused on uh, coming out of media days. And now Carolina turns their focus to the start of fall camp, which is next Friday. Carolina opens camp that day. Then, of course, they will turn around and uh, participate in the open practice. On July 30th, that's open to all fans. It's a 10 a.m. practice. They announced that last week. Uh, Satorio fans can go to Keenan Stadium. I'm going to try to make it up there myself and uh, get a look at this team, get a look at that quarterback battle, all that great stuff. Um, so that means we are going to you know, preview the, be the best battles in camp, give you some guys to watch in camp. All that stuff is coming throughout this next week as we are that close. And then, of course, we are also going to, you know, throughout camp, uh, we have those position previews, the in-depth position previews that uh, go through each position group and break it down in-depth, talk about every player in that position group, the type of impact that we think uh, they will see this season uh, for the Tar Heels. And then, of course, we'll also have those articles that you guys love every single year, mainly because you get to tell us we're wrong at the end of the year. The breakout players, the bold predictions, all that stuff will be up on the website before Carolina kicks off their season in week zero at home, 8 o'clock kickoff against Florida A&M. So that's going to uh, wrap it up for this edition of the podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. Head over to the social media pages to check out all the content in one central location. 
Heel Tough Blog on Facebook. Search in the search bar. Like and follow the page. And at Heel Tough Blog on Twitter is where you can find the official pages and the personal pages on Twitter for uh, all of us. At HTB Anthony for me. At Hackzubber2 for Zach. And at HTB underscore Josh for Josh Marlowe. So that officially does it for this edition of the podcast. I want to thank Zach for hosting with me. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always... Go Tories!